0: Wake up, America, before it's too late. The Steve Day Show.
1: And greetings. Happy Monday. Welcome to the Steve Day Show here live and on demand on Blaze TV radio and podcast. It is our final week of 2023. Amazingly, we made it through yet another one despite our best efforts. In fact, I literally almost died this year and yet... We persisted. I'm Steve Dacey's Todd Erz, and he's Aaron McIntyre. We will have normal shows today and tomorrow. And then Wednesday, we're going to have our final buy, seller, hold of the year. It's going to be an entire show of buy, seller, hold. The whole show, buy, seller, hold. So we're looking forward to that. Then Thursday is the uh, annual, or if you prefer, perennial year-end Dace Group roundtable. will be joined by our Blaze TV colleague, Sarah Gonzalez, former Blaze TV contributor, Jill Savage. They will be the two guest panelists this year. We look forward to that conversation coming your way on Thursday. And then on Friday, the final show of the year, of course, will be our our look back at the year that was. Todd and Aaron will have uh, their top 10 stories of the year that I will comment upon Uh, Our video or our soundbite or video clip of the year and more coming your way here on Friday. And then we're done. And then uh, we don't come back again, provided, of course, they permit us to come back at all. Uh, We are scheduled to come back on Thursday, January the 4th. So we made it to the end, uh, almost made it to the end of another year coming up on the show today. Bob Vanderplass will join us here at the bottom of the hour, as he typically does on a Monday. And then next hour, we have decided, uh, because we're running short on time here, uh, with this being our final week. It's guestapalooza here. It is a guestapalooza today, and that's my my doing. I I requested that we make it so. I, I wanted to have a badass hour next hour. So next hour on the show, our very own Steve Baker, who has been charged by the feds for daring to tell the truth about January the 6th, which, by the way, uh, just so you guys know, Steve is not one of those guys. The whole thing was a setup. He's not doing that. Steve's literally just, hey, yeah, looks like that person should have gotten busted or, "Eh, well, that officer committed perjury. He's just calling balls and strikes, man. He's not out here doing the grift, you know, the whole thing, all these people that, uh, you know, showed up and the whole thing was just a was a, uh, you know, eminence front. All right. It's a put on. He wasn't doing that. He's not doing that. You know, he's doing a fairly. Is that fair? Fairly measured. Analysis of the event. Yeah, because that's all it has to be. Even if
2: this thing is only 50% to set up, that's still really, really, really bad.
1: Very true, which in some respects makes it more dangerous than if you're doing the grift thing and everybody's a victim. Okay. Believe me, there's plenty of victims. We have, we talked to some of them. We talked to one of them, you know, some of them on the show. The, The one time that the fact checkers have really tried to come after us was when we interviewed one of the Jan Sixthers from prison. I think that was back in January or February of this year. So the fact that he is actually telling, trying to just pursue the truth without necessarily one particular grift or political angle, I think in many respects makes him more dangerous, right? Yeah. Because now you have to take him seriously. Okay, and it's very clear they do, because the Department of Justice uh, let him know uh, that uh, they're coming after him. Uh, They did late last week. So he's going to join us to talk about that. And then maybe some of you have heard the name Michael Cassidy. Uh, He is the individual that went in and defiled the satanic altar in the Iowa state legislature here just 10, 15 minutes from where we're broadcasting. Uh, he is going to join us on the program today as well. So that is coming your way on a jam-packed show. Also want to give a shout out to our partners over at Fume. I love to lead off with positive feedback from the audience about our partners. Katie Winston says, um, I sent all the info about fume to my brother who has smoked for years thinking he could he would and I was thinking he would blow me off about it, but he was actually looking for a way to quit. Um, and, uh, he loves Fume. Uh, he was uh, thankful to hear about them through you all. Um, and, uh, so I passed it along and he loves how it's going so far. So thank you very much, Katie, for that. We appreciate that. And Fume wants to help you, uh, kick your bad habit because not everything about your habit is bad. And that's what Fume does. All right. You can, if you want to see, uh, why Fume is an innovative award-winning or award-nominated device that will help you try to avoid having to go cold turkey, and they're all natural, delicious flavors, flavors, I should say, that use uh, completely natural instead of vapor uh, or flavored air instead of vapor and electronics. Uh, just go to Fume, uh, tryfume.com, try F U M, F U M. As in Mary, trifume.com. Use the code Steve uh, and get the Journey Pack for an additional 10% off your order today. Trifume, uh, F U M, trifume.com. Use the code Steve to save an additional 10% off at trifume.com. And with that, it is time for Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away.
3: What happened while we were away? Brought to you by That's a Little Steep. Rudy Giuliani has been ordered to pay nearly $150 million to two women he falsely accused of committing election fraud in the 2020 election. That seems a little bit much for a defamation case. The former New York City mayor and Donald Trump ally and former personal lawyer was on trial for the defamation of two Georgia election workers last week at a federal court in D.C. Giuliani had accused Ruby Freeman and her daughter, Wondrea Moss, of fraud while advancing President Trump's claims that the 2020 election was stolen. U.S. District Judge Beryl Howell had already awarded default judge judgment to Freeman and Moss in August. In response to that story, Steve mused on Twitter, quote, I ask this as someone who has publicly expressed serious reservations about the 2020 election since that election night and has been censored and demonetized for it. Why didn't Giuliani just present the evidence of election fraud to dispute the defamation claim? To which Giuliani responded, quote, because the judge wouldn't allow it, Steve. I don't understand your animosity towards me or the millions of Americans who know the truth about 2020. You claim to be a conservative who loves America, yet you take shots at me and others who won't be bullied into silence, to which Steve responded by inviting Giuliani on the show to make the case he wasn't apparently allowed to make in court. We've not heard back from Giuliani about our offer, although he did start following Todd and I on Twitter last night. A staffer for Maryland Senator Ben Cardin has been fired after a video leaked online showing a Senate employee getting sodomized in the Senate hearing room. Aiden May Shropsky, the staffer who is no longer employed, said in a statement, quote, While some of my actions in the past have shown poor judgment, I love my job and would never disrespect my workplace. Subsequent reporting revealed photos of the staffer's social media, including one of them sticking his butt out in a Senate shower. Apparently Senate showers are a thing. With the caption, quote, waiting for Lindsey Graham. I, no, I'm not making that up. I'm also not showing you the photo and video either, nor am I making any jokes because they've already been made. Damn it. Tweet from Nate Hockman, the good news, conservative Twitter is no longer posting pictures of Hunter Biden's junk. The bad news, this victory has come at a terrible, terrible cost. Matt Schlapp, the influential chairman of the American Conservative Union, is facing additional allegations of sexual assault that apparently took place before the incident that launched a more than $9 million sexual misconduct lawsuit against him last year. Carlton Huffman, a Republican staffer on Herschel Walker's U.S. Senate campaign, initially accused Schlapp of sexually assaulting him last year. Huffman had been assigned to drive Schlapp to campaign events in the Atlanta area, and alleged Schlapp fondled him without his consent during a car ride in October of 2022. According to new reporting, Based on court documents obtained by the Washington Post, Schlapp was also accused of sexual misconduct twice before, first in 2017 and then early in 2022. The updated court filing alleges the incidents were reported to staffers of the American Conservative Union, which hosts the annual Conservative Political Action Conference, but no action was taken against Schlapp. That's according to the Post. The chief strategist for the Super PAC supporting Governor Ron DeSantis' presidential bid, Jeff Rowe, stepped down from his role over the weekend in the latest major departure from Never Back Down. Rowe announces departure from Never Back Down late Saturday evening, hours after the PAC made statements to The Washington Post, suggesting they had fired Roe's colleagues from his firm over mismanagement and conduct issues. The GOP strategist's move is the latest development in what has been a tumultuous few weeks for the pack, which has been plagued by departures. On the campaign trail, Ron DeSantis was in Iowa once again over the weekend campaigning with Kentucky Congressman Thomas Massey. This morning, DeSantis went on Morning Joe and hit Trump for refusing to help J6ers. And he, he called that rally knowing that that was going to be in D.C. Where, where things could get potentially out of hand. And uh, he's now saying he would do clemency for, the I guess, the nonviolent Um, But Mm -hmm. he could have done that when he was president. He could have said, look, this was, he could have taken responsibility. He could have said that the people that went, not the violent people, obviously that's a different, different, uh, uh, it's a bird of a different feather. But on the people that were there just as protesters and kind of got caught up in it, he could have granted clemency to them, and he chose not to because I think he was told that if he did that, he could potentially risk being convicted at his Senate impeachment trial. So the idea that now he's going to help people that were railroaded. He could have done that before he left office. Brothers Be Flippin' update. According to a new poll from the Associated Press, black Americans are more likely than Hispanics or whites to believe that America is too supportive of Israel in the midst of its war against Hamas. Checking in on TPUSA's Confab in Arizona where Trump attorney Alina Haba spoke.
1: There are four kinds of business. Tourism, food service, railroads, and sales. And hospitals slash manufacturing. Whoops,
3: wrong clip.
4: That got assigned to a Clinton appointed judge. And what do you think happened? Nobody's heard of the case, right? It's because it's gone. I never met the judge, I never walked into the courtroom. There were probably 50 lawyers representing all of the radical left. Clinton's lawyers. MOOCs, lawyers, and the list goes on and on and on. One month, it got dismissed, and me and President Trump got sanctioned a million dollars for going against Crooked Hillary. What? You didn't know that, did you? Fake news, folks. Fake news. They won't report it. But guess what? We paid that million, and we're going to keep on fighting.
3: And that's what happened while we were away. I want to shake the guy. We got hit with a one million dollar injunction. What? What? He's listening to that story. Whatever story that was, I still don't know what she's talking about. Just on the edge of his sheet, uh, on the edge of his seat, got hit with a one million. What?
1: Do Do you ever? Here's a question. Let me ask this. If a married Democrat traveled the country with their attorney and not their wife and their attorney looked like that, what would, we be, what would every show on the right be saying right now or asking right now? Exactly. Um, here's the... After I saw that clip, here's the first thought that I had when I woke up this morning. If Trump is the nominee next year, it is quite possible all of our collective fates reside in the hands of Alina Haba, who couldn't properly check a box in New York State to get Trump a jury trial that he wanted that has his entire personal fortune imperiled. Look at the polls, Steve! Look at the polls! <laughs> what? What? Good morning, Dave. I, I I don't know Matt Schlapp at all, man. I don't. Met him in passing once. Um, I, I don't know him at all. I don't know what is true at all. I don't know. And... Um, I do think it. I do think. Why are you Why are you over there just laughing? You don't even know what I'm gonna say.
2: <laughs> it's so absurd. <laughs>
1: this whole the whole thing is. I I know it is. I, I
2: <laughs> it, because you you could have pivoted to anything. I just love on that montage. You pivoted to this because there's some, like no potential of any adding some sunlight. On the other hand, no. Match slap at CPAC.
1: Is it any coincidence? How old were the? How old are these allegations against Schlapp, Aaron? Uh, dates all the way back to I think twenty seventeen. Okay, um, so or these 18. are these are this is a different spate of of uh, homo uh, predator allegations against him. Um, but we have certainly seen our share of false allegations made against people in this era. Correct. Why don't don't we talk to a a former All-American kicker at San Diego State University whose entire life has been ruined? Why don't we talk to him maybe, for example, just one of several, Um, which is why I believe um, rape ought to be a capital offense. If you you sexually assault a a minor, a child, uh, or attempt to groom a child, you should be executed if convicted. But I also think it ought to be automatic felony, 10 years minimum incarceration for the making of a false allegation at the same time, meaning there ought to be some kind of built-in penalty structure for the making of false allegations, too, so we don't have a complete and total you know, Salem witch trial mm-hmm. in, in the current era, which we live, which you know, that could, that could certainly occur, and there's plenty of attempts to do so via social media. So I don't know what is true. Here's what I do find interesting. And you and I were talking about this before the show, Aaron. So these allegations against Schlapp are nearly seven years old. And they just suddenly surfaced right when a Democrat Senate staffer recorded himself being sodomized by his gay lover, in the in the in a US Senate chamber. By the way, thoughts and prayers to members of the U.S. Senate who had a mysterious pink eye infection earlier this year. Now you know. But I digress. This entire thing is just I'm sorry. You thought I said stink eye. No, it was pink eye. Pink eye. Pink eye. Thank you. Um Any coincidence, another round of uh, another round of schlap allegations right around the time. And I got to tell you, I'm not offended the least by the whole sodomy video because I, I recognize that it's on brand. I mean, that that chamber has been bending us over daily, regardless of who's in charge many many years now i mean so by what standard by what standard it's a documentary and then yes also by by what standard will we say this is wrong i mean if if we must tolerate satanic statues then we have no real standard Uh, you know we don't have a a biblical standard on things um the the biblical standard must comport with what with the whatever the actual standard is okay then then tell me what would be Without the biblical standard, what would be the standard for that? Were, were, were children present? Was anybody else present? This is just their private time. Yeah.
2: There's one headline going around, Aaron. You probably. Seen Why are it. we condemning him uh, for yeah. who he loves? I don't. Well, that's the thing. I don't know if it's real or fake, but saying like the conservatives pounce on two people loving one another. It's, oh, that that
1: you that NBC headline was absolutely real. I saw it. Well, there I it saw was it something other than in my NBC, feed in real time. It was
2: something I had never heard of. But there's a lot of products on on the left I've never heard of, but they 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 went full on there that this is you're just discriminating people loving each other. So to your point. When are there ever any consequences for saying and doing utterly insane, if not full on evil things?
3: We went from uh, what do you care what the what two consenting adults do to the privacy of their own bedroom to what do you care what two consenting adults do in the privacy of the Senate chambers?
1: It was after hours. Okay. I mean, I'm asking, what, what by what standard is this bad? By the way, did you guys see the tweet from the... Trump grifter who tried to come after me earlier this year, Alex Brusewitz. Do you see what he oh, originally yeah. tweeted about this? He said he I watched mean, it 10 times. He said, I watched this thing 10 times. <laughs> then he deleted it after he the realized did the, he the, 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 it. Did he Yes, he did. That's, it is one of the best self-owns in the entire history of the platform, known as Twitter. He deleted it. Yes. Well, I don't know if you guys caught what he wrote after that. You know, this is why we got to get behind Trump or something like that is what he wrote afterwards. I'm like, are you kidding me? Okay. Although, if you are... If you're looking for good news out of this story, we have finally found a story that Lindsey Graham will get to the bottom of. I think that we are all. We're all confident in that.
3: I don't know that staffer said he was waiting on Lindsey Graham in the shower. I'm not making that up for all of you who have come at. Why do you why are you so hard on Lindsey Graham? Why do you make fun of Are you bearing false witness?
1: See, I know what you meant, but you can't really say anything now. Did you just ask me why I've been so hard on Lindsey Graham? See, so you can't. We have no. This is this is the era in which we live. We're we're just we're reduced to nothing, nothing. Let me say this though. Um, I saw a video our our friend Shannon Joy put out today. That's the beating. Yeah. Yeah a uh, 13-year-old boy pretending he's a girl yeah. beating the crap out of another girl. Yep. And that video, man, I'm watching that. And I hadn't thought about this in a long time, but I back in my my brain just clicked. And I went back and I reread that piece I wrote 28 months ago, August 25th, 2021. Nearly 28 almost exactly 28 months ago making John Brown great again. And this whole debate going on right now about whether this was a justified act to defile the satanic altar or not. You have to, when, when, you, when you have, when you are doing things like placing satanic altars as an expression or your interpretation Of a blessing of liberty. You're not. You're not like we got to get this one right guys or we're going to walk in. We're going to enter into the John Brown danger zone. No, you're in the danger zone. There it is. You're in it. And and the longer this level of lawlessness and evil not only goes unpunished but promoted. Nature abhors a vacuum. You are asking for Harper's fairies. This is, this, is, this is why God permits government at all. For the express written purposes of being an avenging angel, right there out of the word of God, an avenging angel, an avenger, bringing the sword of righteousness against evildoers. That's the only reason it's permitted to exist. The only reason. And so when it seems to do everything but that, that doesn't dissuade evil, does it? No. No. In fact, it incentivizes it to go bigger. And so while we're over here with our tongues wagging at um, completely scripted walkouts at, at, at events sponsored by Bud Light, evil is just wagging its fingers right in our face. You dads were silent. When we put the boys in the swim lane next to your daughter, well, now we'll just have the boys beat the crap out of your daughters. And what are you going to do? The men in charge, the principals, the teachers, the administrators, the school boards, the cops won't do anything. Let me tell you what's going to happen. And I'm not in favor of this because I happen to like, I happen, I'm going to the, what was I talking about right before the show with you? Todd, what were you and I talking about?
2: Oh, the Rose Bowl.
1: Yeah. And my lament that I remembered this morning during leg day that the Rose Bowl parade is still going on and trying to figure out how to time, you know, getting to the game, the stadium before the parade ends because then there's way too much. You know, that's what I want to be dealing with. Fair? Mm-hmm. I, I, dude, I am the ugly American. I, I would rather be dealing with that. Last night on YouTube after everyone went home from family dinner – I was watching old Spider-Man cartoons from the '80s on YouTube. Okay, I want, I want, I fully want to enjoy the minutiae and accoutrements that that it gets that we get to receive from being an American. I am not interested in fighting a civil war, nor will I be the one fighting it. My son will. So take this in the spirit it's intended. I'm not using this language to grift. I'm not using this language to advocate for it. I'm just telling you, pop open a history book. Remember when we had those. There's nothing new. Pop open the ultimate history book. There's nothing new under the sun. The idea that they're just going to keep doing this to our kids into perpetuity. And one day, one dad's not going to walk in there and say, Make my day. That's just not how this works. And as I wrote in that, what's this? Not America. Human nature. Something far more basic that has a lot longer shelf life than this country does. Human nature. There has never been a peaceable transition or transfer of mass wealth or personal liberty in all of human history. And there never will be. If we keep going down this road, something will emerge that will make you wish for the days of Clive and Bundy. That is the lesson of history. Evil will be confronted either peaceably or, and politically, or it will be confronted the other way. They didn't have vigilantes and posses in the Old West because every sheriff was Wyatt Earp but because most of them weren't we'll talk more about the uh, the Jeff Rowe super pack thing here next hour or next segment when Bob Vanderplats joins us so table that by the way cut Jeff a break man dude has seriously lost 150 some odd pounds and looks phenomenal why did they that's what a, that's a cheap shot I take that as someone's lost a substantial amount of weight in my own life. Jeff's even lost a lot more. That's kind of a cheap shot, man. That photo's got to be at least three, four, five years old. Anyway, putting that in your article, that's a cheap shot. Anyway, on Giuliani. As far as I know, I was the first person on a national network to call out the irregularities of this election. Live here on Blaze TV. Maybe it happened elsewhere. I'm sure that it did. But as far as I, I, at the very least, I was among that group. And it all started by what I was seeing going on in Antrim County, Michigan, and then in Arizona. And the numbers did not make sense. And it did make sense that Fox was eager to call that race looking at those numbers. I have been demonetized, as Aaron pointed out, I put out my tweet, censored more times than I can count. I got the entire Blaze channel demonetized by Facebook for calling out the next day on Glenn Beck show what was going on with this election. I maintain to this day, I do not believe in the results of that election. First of all, the standard for being a patriot in a great America is not approving of Rudy Giuliani or any individual person, number one. But number two... I'm willing to offer Rudy Giuliani a platform to share the evidence that he supposedly was not able to share in a Fulton County, Georgia class or, or courtroom. Why am I the bad guy? Do you know why I'm the bad guy? What, it's what, another day that ends in why. What, 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 what more? I mean, the, my, I don't get paid by Trump to say stuff like this. And in fact, it's, it's probably cost our show and the blaze combined tens of thousands of dollars in lost revenue, all the demonetizations and censorships. I basically have no presence at all on YouTube, which is the second largest platform on this planet. The second largest search engine on this planet, the largest video platform in this solar system. I have like no presence on it because of what I've said about stuff like this election. And I'm fine doing that because it's why I got into this business. Luckily, I'm aligned with a company that's fine with as well. But but how much more do I need to give? What 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 what, what would be enough for some of you? I'm asking. I'm even willing to put Rudy on the show, which will just get me demonetized and censored all over again by some places. What what's enough? Do you guys know what it is? I have no idea. I'm I would like to know. What is it? What what is it? What 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 is it? But I would like to know what evidence Rudy has, because what I've heard from other members of the Trump campaign, like Jason Miller, under oath, wearing a mask before the January 6th committee, is that they knew they lost the entire time and even told the president this. Well, I wish someone would have told me this when I spent two months getting deplatformed, demonetized and uh, and censored almost everywhere in America because of my position that the election was was rigged. Or at the very least had too many inexplicable irregularities. is What's wrong with that? If you've got the evidence, OK, We've got a pretty significantly sized show. We're on one of the largest platforms in the entire country on the right. Come on here, share the evidence with us then. Have you looked at the polls, Steve? Look at the polls. Just want to know what's true, man. That's all. But I'm not sure how many people left in America can say the exact same thing. All right, back here on the Steve Day Show, powered by Miracle Maid. Winter is here, and if you're like me, that can also mean uh, struggling to find the right temperature when you sleep. Well, earlier this year, we found miracle-made sheets. We had one of the hotter summers here in Iowa uh, that we have had in the last few years, and I could not believe how well these sheets performed. Uh, They have NASA-inspired technology that makes temperature-regulating bedding affordable, And luxurious. They're not only functionally great, they're also comfortable. Uh, We, I mean, Amy and I love these sheets. We're actually going to be buying some more. I mean, I can't give a better endorsement to a product than I'm willing to spend my own money on it for more after they let me try it for free. These are absolutely fantastic. You can save over 40% right now if you use our promo code DACE at checkout at uh, at TryMiracle.com slash DACE. And if you use that code DACE, you can also get three free towels and save well over 40% off. So if you, and if you're not 100% satisfied, uh, they will give you 100% refund as well. That's how confident they are in this product. And based on my own experience trying it, they should be. These are absolutely fantastic. Go to TryMiracle.com slash DACE. That's TryMiracle.com slash DACE. All right, let's welcome in, friend of the program, Bob Vanderplas from The Family Leader. Good to see you, Bob. How are you? Hey, good to see you. Doing really well. So this is going to be the last time that you and I are going to chat on this show until when? This year. Yeah. Well, actually, we come back on the 4th. So the next time that you and I are going to chat on this show, it'll be caucus day, Monday the 10th.
5: Well, oh, yeah. no, no. The, we're the 15th. No,
1: Monday the 8th. Monday the 8th. So it'll be the week before the caucuses. The week before the caucuses. Okay, all right. Yeah, so okay. well,
5: a week to go. It'll be two days before the CNN debate that they're going to have with uh, Nikki, yep, Nikki and Haley Ron has, DeSantis.
1: Nikki Haley has agreed to do that. Yeah. So All right, let's 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 take a, a big picture view of, of things, if you don't mind. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, everybody knows I think that Governor DeSantis is the best candidate in this race. In fact, I think he's the best candidate, presidential candidate I've ever seen. Um, because he's the most successful Republican Hmm. politician I've seen this century with what he did in Florida. But I have a show to do and a job to do. Sure. And I have to ask myself, if I saw a story like what happened over the weekend and it was about another candidacy, what would I ask? And I should probably ask those questions, particularly because there is a unique campaign structure here where much of the actual on-the-ground organization of the campaign in the case of the DeSantis presidential camp campaign was actually not put in place by the campaign. So when I was a part of the Cruz campaign and we helped build that organization that set that record for Ted Cruz, mm-hmm. we were the official campaign built that. Okay. This is different now that the super PAC has, and for people that don't understand why that matters is the amount of coordination and and and, and strategy uh, discussion that the campaign and the super PAC can have lawfully is very limited. And and this is sort of the offset you agree to to, to get around the spending limits that a campaign has to deal with. Sure. You, su- you can give whatever you want to a super <clears throat> PAC. Well, the trade-off is that the super PAC has to almost entirely act as an independent entity. And it is the, uh, the DeSantis super PAC, never back down, that is... That is responsible for this, you know, purported monstrosity of an organization here that exists in our state. So now, when you got when you have the guy who's been the CEO of that, and you know, I, people would assume the mastermind and Jeff Rowe, when he just abruptly resigns over the weekend, I think people have a right to ask what does that mean for the DeSantis campaign, given that. The Super PAC is responsible for what they're basing their entire candidacy on right now, and that is the organization they've built in Iowa. So as a, as a DeSantis endorser yourself, how would you answer that?
5: Well, first of all, it's a really good question. And a couple of things I would say, first of all, as a caveat to your audience, uh, Jeff Rowe, from my knowledge, left the Super PAC on Saturday, and today's Monday, meaning you don't have a lot of time to say, how's this going to impact? That said, what I believe, and I, I looked at 120 county chairs for 99 counties that, that they have out there that's publicized. Uh, those are the county chairs I would want if I was running for statewide office here in the state of Iowa. And I believe those county chairs, like a Troy Sharman up in, or in southeast Iowa, and Cody Hofer up in northwest Iowa, and an Eric Rosenthal in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, and the other people – Their allegiance wasn't to Jeff Rowe. Matter of fact, most of them probably don't even know who Jeff Rowe is. Their allegiance was they want Ron DeSantis to win the presidency. So, Steve, my first thought is this is not going to impact the ground game whatsoever. A lot of that has been built. Right now it's capitalizing on the ground game. And my guess is you're not going to see, and I could be proven wrong, but I doubt if I will be, You're not going to see a mass exodus of county chairs. You're going to see a mass exodus of precinct captains because Jeff Rowe, for whatever reason, decided, listen, I can no longer do this. I need to resign. I need to step aside. I read Jeff's statement and Jeff's statement still was, you know, these are patriots that have signed up. These are patriots that are delivering uh, in the state of Iowa and around the country for Governor Ron DeSantis. Jeff Rowe said he really hopes and prays that Governor DeSantis is the 47th president of the United States. I think what this, what this goes to, Steve, is a little bit what you and I have talked on the show before. Running for president's hard. And he's done this now for about six months, which means that Super PAC's probably been up and running for maybe eight or nine months. Because a lot of times a Super PAC will get started before the actual campaign uh, commences. You have a $200 million organization led by people, and this should not be a shock to anybody, who are type A in personality. Meaning sometimes we're going to disagree. Sometimes the disagreement is going to be so severe that it's my way or the highway and I'm just done. I'm not saying that's Jeff Rowe's complaint here, but I I think it's overhyped in the media that, listen, Jeff Rowe left the campaign. They're not voting for Jeff Rowe. Uh, they're voting for Ron DeSantis. And the Ron DeSantis I saw last week in the CNN debate, or in the CNN town hall with Jake Tapper, it is the sharpest I've ever seen him. And not only with the questions that Jake Tapper was was giving him and then he was responding to, but it was also during the commercial breaks, which the audience obviously doesn't get a chance to see, but he was staying on stage, and he was uh, going back and forth with the audience. Uh, he was winsome as heck. So this whole deal about he can't be winsome, That's overhyped as well. So I would say the organization's still intact, Steve. I believe Jeff Rowe's departure, while unfortunate, I do not think it'll be a deal breaker for Ron DeSantis.
1: All right. So with that said then, because everything else is the kind of inside baseball stuff that I just don't think people often care about. Sure. And um, this would not be the first super PAC to have various forms of drama and that, ten, ten, that tends to happen when there's the amount of money being. M- oh, there's moved a lot of money in in these kinds
5: of cases. And they're under a lot of pressure and stress. Correct. So you take a look at in a in a household like you and Amy or Darla and I. When you put money and pressure and stress together, that's when marital issues happen. Now you got a lot of money, a lot of pressure, a lot of stress to perform. You can see some divisions that would happen.
1: Well, one of those pressures is driven by, and I hate to bring this up to you again for the third straight week, but I'm going to. Sure. One of these pressures is being driven by these polls. Yep. If, if, if. Look at the polls! (laughs) If if those are to be believed, Nikki Haley has had like a 20-point surge in New Hampshire since she received Chris Sununu's endorsement. Ron DeSantis has actually gone down in Iowa after receiving your endorsement. Which, by the way, w- prior to this cycle, what's your track record in Iowa caucuses?
5: Well, I've been fortunate uh, to get behind the momentum of my base, and so we're three and zero: Huckabee, Santorum, Cruz. All right,
1: that that that's called a humble brag for the for the uh, for boomers out there that don't really know what was Bob was doing. That's called a humble brag. Okay, so your track record's undefeated. Okay. Um, we had the... We have, if you
5: add in uh, Congressman Feenstra over Steve King back in uh, 2020, you know, we're four now.
1: Okay. Now it's not humble anymore. <laughs> All right, so... And if you add in... <laughs> okay. All right. And then we have we have a governor that just won by 20 points. Sure. Uh, and is at at least the most popular statewide elected Republican office holder so far in the 21st century.
5: And especially with caucus goers.
1: Okay. And, and so... Um, with your support and Governor Reynolds' support, DeSantis has actually gone down. I predicted this was going to happen. People thought I was joking. People thought I was tongue-in-cheek. Nope. And so the same pollsters that are saying your endorsement doesn't matter, Governor Reynolds' endorsement doesn't matter, but Nikki Haley went up 20 points in New Hampshire uh, with Chris Sununu's. Same exact methodology, same people, same everything. All right? This campaign is going to have to figure out how to make sense out of this, because something you and I have talked about the way that the caucuses work ultimately is people want their votes to count. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's just the reality. And so, for example, whatever you think Vivek Ramaswamy is polling at right now is not what he will get on caucus night because he's just not a viable choice to win. So if you think he's at eight, he's going to get five. If you think he's at five, he's going to get two. If you think he's at 12, he's going to get eight. Right. That's Mm -hmm. the way it works. The you you lose once we get to the night. It's not a voting process. People aren't walking in there on their own all day long, pulling a curtain, filling out a bubbles and walking out. You go. Everybody goes at the exact same appointed time. You stand around talking to everybody. You find out where everybody is at, who everybody is for, who's who brought who and what have you. And movement happens by several points right there in the room in many of these places. Mm -hmm. That's why that's why the names you mentioned a few minutes ago matter. Because when you walk into your polling place and Cody Hofort's sitting there or Eric Rosenthal's sitting there, you know who that person Poor Troy is Troy Sharman. Yep. You're you gonna bet. walk in and wanna know if you're not with if you're not walking in with them, you're gonna wanna know who are they and if out of curiosity, nothing else,
5: right? And they're gonna okay? get up and they're gonna have two minutes to give an address. And so it could Correct. be, guys, I know you like Vivek. I like Vivek too. I right. can, I can give the speech. Right. However, Vivek's not gonna win. So if you want an alternative to Trump, you need to come with DeSantis. If you're a Trump person, you say, I know you like Vivek, Vivek's not gonna win, but you want Trump to win. I know you want Trump to win. Right. So therefore you gotta go with Trump. Right. That's where the deal making happens. Correct, and so
1: if if there, he is going to lose votes, I'm just going to say this so everybody knows how this works. If if the day before everybody thinks he's going to lose by thirty, it works the other way too. Okay, so if he will lose support because people are going to be like, well, I just want my vote to count, or and, or I'm not going to show up to the caucus, or I'm not even going to show up. Now it also works the other way with Trump. Well, I don't have to show up. Yeah. It's three degrees outside, and uh, and I, you know, and and he's going to win anyway. So, like we talked about before, with with the Register did to your race. Mm-hmm. All right, who knows how many votes it cost you, and how many people did not show up and vote for Branstead because they thought it didn't matter. Right. But there's there must be a counter narrative to this. They're just must. I mean, I, I know and you know it is ridiculous that one governor's endorsement suddenly raised Nikki Haley's prospects. OK, and and another governor's endorsement, not to mention the leading activist in the exact same state, somehow diminished the other guy. Hmm. I know this. You know this. Yeah. OK, and, and the, How, does Ma and Pa Kettle and O-Wine Iowa know this, Bob?
5: Right. And the antidote has always been it. Okay. Okay. The media is trying to shove these polls down your throat. I I, I still say, I don't believe the polls. I agree with what you're saying. Well, then they better give us something else. The something else has been the organization. Well, if the organization is now in the media saying it just took a hit, the leader, the captain, the sergeant, the general of the organization just stepped away. Who are, you putting, who are you putting back in place to let everybody know, no, the organization is still going to be there. It's going to perform exceptionally well. But Steve, I think you're right. It goes now beyond a CNN town hall performance or the next debate performance or whatever it is. We need to show some movement in polls as well. In regards to say, is there a poll out there that one of the allied groups of the DeSantis campaign has done to say, look at this is where we see the race at today. Because I know, I know they do not see the race even close to where Ann Seltzer sees the race. And I can show a lot of flaws in Ann Seltzer's poll. Sure. But you have to give an antidote to it as well. If they called you and said, what would you have us do? What would you say? Well, you know, I I think one is, I think I'd say, okay, I would have a legit poll get get done and not that and have it be by what it's okay if it's by one of the allies just make sure you publish all the data how many people were surveyed what the survey looked like mm-hmm. what was the response rate you know what's the demographics of it and here's the here's the data the polling firm gives you the data the campaign doesn't give you the data here's the data and if it shows that you know trump's at 40 not 50 it shows desantis is at 25 not at 19. Now there's movement in there. Mm-hmm. And what you're trying to do is be a, a plumb line and accountability to a Des Moines Register poll that all the media wants to run with right now. The interesting thing, I was just interviewed yesterday on a Sunday in my office by a national news organization. They don't believe the poll either. I mean, they're they're very open, like, if you believe the poll. I mean, they're kind of like, if you, like, we know how hard it is to poll a general election today. We've gotten that wrong. How hard it is to poll a primary election? It's much harder to pull a caucus election. So the big thing is you need to also inspire people to get out to vote, to prove the pollsters wrong. And if they can even deliver that message, prove the pollsters wrong, get out to vote the Iowa caucuses, uh, it could make a difference.
1: I, I watched him go on MSNBC this morning and absolutely destroy their narrative of Trump as a dictator by pointing out. He got rolled by the entire system when he was president. He got rolled by it. Why? He's like it's laughable. He says "Good morning, Joe" to his face. It's laughable. You guys are you guys say this stuff about this guy? You rolled him his entire final year in the White House. That's why he's not president right now. I mean, I watched him go on there and say that I'm going to actually uh, help the uh, the nonviolent January 6th. thers Trump left him behind. He's not saying this on Fox News or on Tucker Carlson's podcast. MSNBC. It's on friggin' MSNBC, man. Okay, so. I, 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 to me, this is generational level of political talent. Mm-hmm. That's why. And I've, only, and I've only got a few more days here to raise the alarm on this. Because when I come back, it's going to
5: be like a week before mm-hmm. the caucuses. So something better get figured out. Well, the one thing I'll say is that the best way to predict the future is to look at the past. And you take a look at at the Republican primary in Florida when he was running for governor. He was supposed to get destroyed in that primary. Now, Trump will take all the credit that it was his endorsement. That may have helped. Something happened with Ron DeSantis. And I think what you're seeing on MSNBC, what I saw at the CNN Town Hall, what we're seeing across the state of Iowa right now, that something is happening. But he's manufacturing that himself, not anybody else.
1: Real quick, do either one of you two want to comment on this before we completely move on next hour? i just
2: think we in terms of advice going forward you have to ima- remind iowans who they've been in the last uh, three elections that you talked about if if you if you were willing to not care what anybody else thought then now more than ever it is the time to know that now because honestly sorting through what you sorted through a a, a santorum who had, had lost a crushing uh, election huckabee nobody knew of him you were willing to say i don't care what you think i think they need to be in this discussion moving forward if you can't find this in, with, within yourself to do that right now in this moment this is not the iowa that bob has understood it to be or steve has understood it to be or i've understood it to be now more than ever you need to be the people who did what you did in the past
5: Yeah, give give America a choice. I mean, that's—I think Iowa will do his job well if we give America a choice. Iowa breaks late, then let's let America decide.
1: Fair enough. Well, Merry Christmas, brother.
5: Merry Christmas, to you guys. God bless.
1: All right. When we come back next hour, Steve Baker is going to join us, uh, and the feds are going after him. We'll tell you why, and we'll tell you about the latest work he's doing for us here at the Blaze on January 6th. That and more coming up next. here at hour two live and on demand on blaze tv radio and podcast steve dace here with totters and aaron mcintyre and all of you and you can let us know who you are and what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox which you can take advantage of by emailing us steve at stevedace.com that's d-e-a-c-e by the way there there's a trend happening right now in, in my emails of you guys sending me stuff that that other people on the right are saying and asking me for my reaction, that's just never happening. I mean, I just, just every now and then I got to remind you that not what I do, you know, um, I'm fine responding to people if I hear it myself in real time, but that's just, I'm not Mr. Passive aggressive. You want to ask me what I think, happy to tell you. You want to ask me what I think about what other people think, and I don't know directly what they think myself, never is going to happen. All right. So if you're going to send me that note, that's probably a waste of your time. You likely will not get any response from me at all. Just want to let you know. Okay. You can also like me on Facebook, MeWe and Gab. Follow me at Steve Day Show on Twitter, get her Instagram, and TikTok. And remember, last name is D E A C E. If you listen to the podcast version of the show, please make sure to hit, to hit us up with a five star review if you like the show, of course. Uh, and thank you to all of you who have, as we are approaching 10,000 of those, we'd love to crush uh, that number. Uh, When we get into 2024, or even here now, we're only a couple, what, a few thousand away from that, or a few hundred away from that. I think we're at about 9,500 now. Uh, You can also, that's just iTunes, by the way. Uh, You can also hit subscribe, or speaking of iTunes, follow. That way, every time we do a new episode, it will show up in your feed every single time. Coming up at the bottom of this hour, we're kind of doing a badass hour here. At the bottom of this hour, Michael Cassidy is going to join us. He, of course, is uh, the individual who defiled the defiling satanic altar in our state legislature here last week. We're going to talk to him about why he did that coming up at the bottom of this hour. But for now, we start with one of our our homegrown badasses here, Steve Baker from our team here on The Blaze. He has been uh, working on the January 6th story for us here on Blaze Media. It is good to have you back, Steve, man. How are you, brother?
6: Hey uh Steve I am actually energized. I'm blessed. I am motivated. I've had incredibly overwhelming support from not just only you guys a Blaze hosts, producers, employees, Blaze subscribers, readers that have been sending me their well wishes, their encouraging words, their prayers and I'm ready to go.
1: There you go. Okay. Well, you got word on Thursday um about uh, an unfortunate event Tell us about it, and did you see it coming?
6: Well, I've been waiting on this for over two years, and this is the third strike that the Department of Justice has made against me. I received an email or my attorney received an email email back in November of 21 saying that his client, meaning me, would be charged within the week. And that was the week before Thanksgiving of 2021. And then we didn't hear from them again for 20 months until back this past August, I got a grand jury subpoena for all of my videos from January 6th after we complied with the grand jury summons and delivered uh, a flash drive of my videos to the court. I didn't hear from them again for four months. And then on Thursday morning, I just completed an hour and a half meeting with uh, one of the committees that is looking very hard into January 6 issues. I know that American public does not think that they are. But fortunately, there are some white hats inside uh, Congress that are looking at this seriously. And I spent an hour and a half with a congressman there. I went over to another office in the same congressional building and met with the chief of staff of another Congressman, that's looking very closely at the uh, January 6 pipe bomb diversion issue. And then at the end of that meeting, I got a text from my attorney. And, you know, when you get a text from your attorney, it's never a good thing, When he, especially when he says you need to call me. So I stepped out of the uh, uh, con- congressional office there and made the call and found out that uh, they had said that they wanted me to self-surrender tomorrow, uh, this Tuesday, this week, uh, here in Raleigh, North Carolina. And this was from the FBI agent to my uh, local attorney. And that um, I would be processed. They tell me that I'm going to be... Um, uh, released on my own recognizance that I'm not going to be detained. And then of course, after I'm processed, you know, the whole deal, fingerprinted, uh, you know, mug shot and standing before the magistrate and leg chains, I would imagine that I'm going to be released. And then I will, uh, find out what the next step is. We don't even know what the charges are yet, Steve. So we're, we're still, um, we're still waiting. Then, uh, 36 hours later, after we did an incredible media blitz, and like, as I said, this incredible response we got, not just from The Blaze, but so many other media sources coming and running stories about this uh, particular um, uh, persecution, prosecution, whatever attempt by the DOJ, then they apparently backed off because not only did my uh, attorney receive a call late after hours, by the way, on Friday, that... They were going to wait and postpone my self-surrender until after Christmas, but they also changed the uh, U.S. attorney that has my case. It was previously a U.S. attorney out of uh, Philadelphia, and now they have switched that to a U.S. attorney in D.C., and we don't know what that means. I can speculate both directions, but I have no idea why the attorney that's had this for two and a half years has finally been reassigned.
1: So... They want you to surrender, or they originally wanted you to surrender to charges that they have not itemized or quantified for you yet.
6: Correct. They say that they will not be able to give me what those charges are until the judge or the magistrate actually signs the warrant uh, himself. And then they can tell me.
1: What was your attorney's response to that?
6: Um, there's nothing we can do I I will tell you after two and a half years of going through this and realizing they're not going to answer questions then we're just having to roll with the punches as they throw them that's all we've all we've been able to do. Now, having said that, and I'm happy to announce here, my my team of attorneys has grown from two to six since Thursday morning. We have um, attorneys coming on board. Uh, they, they they're. I think they're going to be quite uh, surprised when we roll into town when this thing goes to trial. Probably might You know, probably won't go to trial for two years if it ever does. But I'm not going to take a plea deal. So we're going to fight this thing regardless of what uh, they throw at me. But the point being is, is that when we roll into town for what would be just a simple, you know, what I consider uh, a simple First Amendment case. Um, When we show up with uh, a dozen or 10 attorneys sitting at the table with me, they're going to they're going to find out that. They're going to have to actually work for this one, uh, government mm-hmm. work. They don't, you know, they don't like. They don't. Hey, look, these 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 U.S. attorneys, they want plea deals. They want quick notches in their gun belts. They want to get their little bonuses at the end of the year for how many cases they process through. Mm-hmm. Uh, they not like going to trial, but we're going to make them work for this one.
1: Good, that's good to hear. But that's easy for me to say. It's not my life; it's yours. But yeah, yeah. But I, but I, you know, thank you for being willing to fight to that point. Do you, do, does your representation think that they have an idea of what they think the charges will be? Or let me ask it another way. Why you, um, you're not the only person that is covering this. We've had people from Julie Kelly at American Greatness on here, who was among the very first to start covering this story. And uh, Epic Times, uh, Josh over at Epic Times did a in-depth documentary on what happened January 6th. We had him on last year discussing that documentary. Um, who's the uh, conservative filmmaker who came to me on Twitter recently? Uh, uh, Nick Searcy. Um, uh, he's, yeah. he's done work on, on, on January 6th. So why you, Steve Baker, w- what is unique about you that, that you're being targeted, uh, when other people have questioned this narrative capably too, and they're not, what do they, what do you think it is about you?
6: Well, I mean, first of all, I, I, Followed the story on January 6th myself. I was on the ground. I followed the story where the story went. I went to Washington D.C. on January 6, 2021, expecting to uh, wield my man on the street microphone and my set up my camera on a tripod and interview people about what their impressions were uh, at the ellipse that day from the speeches that were taking place there in front of the White House.
1: Let's pause said, for there for a second. Yeah. Why mm-hmm. did you decide to go to that event?
6: um specifically because i wanted to see what was going to happen i mean uh trump me now me being a longtime non-trump supporter i uh was Curious. Look, I, I was in. I was one of those people that was put out of work by COVID by the COVID regime. Mm-hmm. So I had to, I had the time off, and I was traveling. I was traveling all over the country at the time. I was doing meetings and meetups and interviews, and uh, you know I went to, I traveled to 28 states during the lockdowns. And so this just when it was announced on December 19th that something wild was going to happen in D.C. according to Trump's words, that I put it on my calendar. Myself and another writer of some esteem, we uh, put it on our calendar. We wrote up together, and and then we followed the story where the story went. And I happened to be uh, the, the guy that uh, among, you know, not just the only one, there was some 60 plus independent and otherwise mainstream journalists that followed the story inside the building, just like I did. But the only ones that are being prosecuted, Steve, are the ones who submitted their stories or otherwise wrote their stories from a um, narrative perspective that was unapproved. And if you walked into the building that day with your cell phone camera and you submitted your story to the New Yorker and the title of your story was among the insurrectionists. Mm-hmm. Well, apparently you've got a get out of jail free card, but I mm-hmm. didn't see it in the same manner that they did.
1: In other words, those under other individuals are in and of themselves have done some phenomenal work on this subject, but you being there gives them an excuse to come after you that they don't, that fig leaf doesn't exist necessarily with the other names that, that I mentioned.
6: That's correct. That's absolutely correct.
1: Okay. I think there's another factor here too. Um, but I agree that the, the fig leaf factor of you being there is, is what the excuse or the rationale or impetus is, but just watching out how you have, have covered this, Steve, since more footage was unveiled, um, it has not fit into necessarily a political, a, a, a potential or a particular political paradigm. I mean, listen, it, it overall is favorable to our people, just simply because you are pointing out that the one-dimensional, ham-fisted narrative that we were being sold about this is just completely and totally a crock. Okay, but there is a there there is a group that right now wants to say that that well that must mean that it must be another one-dimensional. Ham-fisted, simplistic narrative than either. Okay, that everybody was innocent, nobody did anything bad, and everything was a complete and total uh, false flag setup. Okay, yeah. Yeah. and 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 I think your unwillingness to fit into either of those paradigms and to just follow the actual empirical evidence that you're accumulating um, and let it speak for itself. In, in my in my in my opinion brother I think that actually makes you more dangerous. I think that if you were just running a clown show Grift here you know how do I, how do I get on the stage at uh, um, we're all victims now um, you know event next year I, I I don't know that they'd care okay yeah. but, but I but the idea that you are actually calling balls and strikes and not not just coming at their false narrative with a counter false narrative, But just saying, hey, let's let's just let the truth have its day. Let's just the truth is its own reward. Let's just let the truth have its day and see where it goes. That that is anathema to the kinds of uh, forces that we are up against. And I think I think that makes you more dangerous than people that just want to use this to peddle a, a, you know, a, a counter narrative that might be beneficial to them in the next election cycle.
6: You're, you're right. I mean, there is an our side and their side uh, dynamic to this with January 6th. And as you clearly pointed out, there's extremists on both sides. You have you have the sedition hunter type people on the left who think that, I mean, they think that I need to be waterboarded in Guantanamo for the rest of my life just for walking through the cam- uh, the, the, the Capitol with a camera. On the other hand, they will not intellectually be on enough, honest enough to say, well, what about those other independent journalists who submitted their stories to mainstream or to left Leaning, uh, news sources why are they not being treated in the same way within well, you know they button up and then on the course of the other side we have a, an entire list of, uh, of you know video investigators and uh, mo- maybe right-wing publication investigators who are so hardcore to the narrative that it was as you said and all is set up everyone needs to be released there was uh, it, it, there would have been no violence had it not been for the cops launching uh, less than lethal munitions into the crowd that sort of thing and they get mad at me because I won't share their work or they won't share their videos and 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 I tell them privately I tell I tell them on direct messages I never I never uh, attack them publicly or on online but I let them know you got to get it right until when you start getting it right and not getting it from a start a starting place of your pre Disposition or your presuppositions about what happened that day, then I'll, I will share your work as well. And so that's that's kind of the, the way that I've approached this. And I've changed my mind, Steve, on so many issues or so many specific circumstances uh, related to January 6th as more data, more video becomes available. And we're, we're continuing to immerse ourselves in getting more and more of that. I was at, uh, in DC last week. I was there all week with a Blaze team. We had two of our, our, our video analysts from the Blaze there with me in the cctv viewing room going through this video frame by frame inch by inch hours upon hours of laborers um, needle in a haystack type work to uh, identify the um, uh, you know the stories or are the the videos and images that we need for the stories that we're working on and to get it right and that's why we're there we could make assumptions without seeing that video but until we have it in hand and we have it in context we can't get it right
1: for example and, and, you know, I'm, I'm adamant based on the footage I've seen. I don't believe Ashley Babbitt deserves to die. Hmm. Um, I also have questioned from day one, how is it possible a self-described Antifa member from Utah managed to get all the way from Utah to be the person who actually shot the first video of, Ash, of what happened to Ashley Babbitt to make his way through the tens of thousands of people that were there? And just so happened to be in position where he was able to get that video. I mean, you want to talk about a lucky strike. That's incredible. The odds of that are infinitesimal to me. But this past week, I also heard the story of a a name I'd not heard previously. Matthew Kroll. Do you know who Matthew Kroll is, Steve? Steve? I'm familiar with that story. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I I, I mean, I've covered uh, this is just like I was saying, you know, to Giuliani here on the show last hour. I've been demonetized and censored a million times for being willing to put people on to question this narrative, too. Okay. I'm not nearly as informed at this as you are, but I'm not an idiot either. I've done a ton of work on uh, interviews on this topic over over the last three years on this show or two years on this show. I've never heard the name Matthew Kroll one time and I can see why. I'm looking at footage of what Matthew Kroll looks like he was involved in on January 6th. And I got to tell you, I'm no fan of this regime. I don't know. But (laughs) 78 months in jail, I don't know that that's necessarily an unjustified offense based on the video I am seeing here. So I I just want to know what the truth is, Steve. What happened? That's all I want to know. I want to know what happened to Ashley Babbitt. I want to know how many people like Matthew Kroll were there. And I can, now I can kind of see why maybe there wasn't a lot of discussion about him because if you're trying to build the counter narrative that everybody there tiptoed between the raindrops and is innocent, his act probably isn't going to reinforce that narrative either.
6: Yeah, no, it's, it's not. And there's, ample number of uh, examples of that. Uh, we, we have guys actually sitting in prison right now who have been sitting in prison for over three years who have managed to establish incredible grifts from inside. These guys were uh, criminals. They had criminal records long before they got to uh, January 6th, but long before they got to the Capitol. They threw themselves into battle. They attacked police. They were the first ones to breach barricades, to bust windows, to take up, I mean, literally pick up and take up arms, to steal... Uh, shields from uh, capital Police officers or Metropolitan Police officers and go to war with them. And then once they're arrested, they're becoming – uh, January 6th celebrities in prison and they're raising hundreds of thousands of dollars while in prison. It's an amazing grift. I didn't even know you could do that. I guess, I, I suppose if you can get uh, drugs smuggled in by um, uh, prison guards and, and other types of contraband, I suppose you can set up your own grift in prison as well. But that's what these guys are doing.
1: Meanwhile, Ashley Babbitt's family has no justice.
6: Yeah, I, I no. Th- Exactly, and you know, and, and I'm, I'm one of those people that I will bear the image of her. I, I did. I was not in that that uh, speaker's lobby hallway where, um, as you mentioned, John Sullivan was, uh, and captured that on film. But I was down where they relocated her and where the FBI medics were working on her down at the south entrance on the lower level. And I came up on her, and so I got the extraction of Ashley Babbitt on video as well. And uh, so I saw it up close with my own eyes it was the first time that i realized it was a woman because when i saw her inside the building i thought they were working on a man because it was boots and jeans is all i could see and then they were they had their hands doing compressions on her chest and i couldn't see that it was a woman and then when they brought her outside on the gurney uh, after the emt uh, units arrived and then i was filming that as they were bringing her down the ramp from the south exit i realized and i you could actually hear me on my video i'm like oh wow that's a that's a woman. And and I could see their bare breast, and I could see uh, her. The She was gone, uh, the, the blankness of her eyes. I've seen death before, and, and I texted out to a mutual friend of yours and mine. I texted somebody as soon as I, she was loaded into the ambulance. I texted out, said, a lady has been shot. Um, she's not going to make it. And I knew she was gone when they wheeled her down the ramp.
1: In the end, what are the odds? We're just going to find out that almost every bad impulse of a dying culture um a total state anxious to cast anyone who would dare question its narratives uh as an insurrectionist and a nazi and a fascist and then um you know near wells who anxious to make a name for themselves at the same time taking that bait and fulfilling it in the end what are the odds when this is all done and your work is finished that that's really what the story here is going to turn out to be that all the worst elements of 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 a, of a dying culture just presented themselves and were driven driven to this for for the real legitimate questioning of whether we still have free and fair elections in america or not
6: yeah well it starts with free and fair elections and then it it um immediately morphs into the question of whether we can use our voices anymore, because I think you and I have talked about this before. Ultimately, at the end of the day, what is happening right now in D.C., in these federal courts, in these January 6th trials, and it doesn't matter if it's the basic four misdemeanors that they get slapped with. It doesn't matter if it's Stuart Rhodes and uh, Enrique Tarrio, um, the, the leaders of Oath Keepers and Proud Boys. At the end of the day, every single one of these convictions and the enhancements on their sentencing and the severity uh, and penalties of their sentencing are centered more around with what they said than what they did. Exactly. Even- Yeah. Even people who basically just walked through the building with their camera uh, for 10 minutes and had never seen the rotunda of the Capitol before and were amazed by it and took a couple of selfies in there. If they got out, they got a couple of years probation, thousand dollar fine, slap on the wrist, had to go had to go back home and rebuild their lives because they lost everything. They lost their homes. They lost their jobs. They lost their relationships with their family and their friends. And they got kicked out of their church. Incredible um, uh, stories about this. But. If they chanted USA, USA or whose house, our house or stop the steal or something like that. And then are they were Facebook uh, uh, streaming live on Facebook. Right. And they they joked as they were walking out. Hey, you know, hey, look, we stormed the Capitol today. If they did that. Wow. You messed up. You got to.
1: Yeah. You humiliated the regime and the devil doesn't like to be mocked. Right, right. Maybe they should have gone in there and shot a, a gay porn video. Steve, Maybe they <laughs> well, should have done that. Know,
6: <laughs> that that's right i mean if they had if they had uh, done lines of coke uh in nancy's office instead of just putting their feet up on their chair or if right. they had shot a gay porn video um in uh, mcconnell's uh, suite then yeah that's that's probably what what would have happened they would have been they would have been able to claim victim status themselves and got by with it
1: what's the best way for our audience to continue to follow your outstanding work steve
6: well, obviously, here on The Blaze, uh, a Twitter, I'm at uh, TPC4USA, at TPC4USA, as well as my locals blog is the same handle, at TPC4USA. Uh, basically, anywhere on the internet, uh, anywhere that I have a presence on, social media, it's all the same handle right there. They can find us, find me there. They can support me there. And then, of course, obviously, stay with The Blaze because that's where we're going to be dropping our next big breaking stories as it relates particularly to what our discoveries are with the Capitol Police.
1: Well, I don't have to tell you of this because you're already doing it but finish the race brother you're doing the lord's work thank you very much and if there is ever anything that uh, we here on this show can do do not hesitate to ask okay thank you steve thank you i have a theory about this story to me i, I think this story is, is is an extension of of what we saw throughout the entirety of the of the trump presidency which was trump would step in it all on his own but that wasn't good enough for his opponents. Like he had to be Hitler. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. He, 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 th- that wasn't good enough. Like, like the, the, they had to go, they had to create the narrative that they wanted created. The truth wasn't good enough for them. Okay. Um, you know, uh, so so a fantastical tale had to be told. The the truth of um, a complete... A a handful of knuckle draggers went there with terrible intentions to take advantage of the situation and were eager to be baited by feds and might have just, and if if they weren't, they would have tried maybe baiting the feds themselves. That wasn't going to be good enough. Similarly. A fantastical tale of of grandmothers with with false hips, uh, part of a and, and guys dressed up like the Minnesota Vikings, um, you know, uh, mascot sitting in Nancy Pelosi's chair uh, that they were here uh, to, to, to topple the government that needed it, it, in, in a way. That's just that was just a, a, another chapter of what we saw the entirety of the Trump presidency, that the truth. Which you probably could have defeated Trump on legitimately if you just stuck with that, wasn't good enough. We we hate you so much that we that just beating you isn't enough. We had to make this up. We had to embellish this to points so that we could destroy you, humiliate you, end you. That's a broken social compact, fellas. Oh,
2: which is why if I had one of two choices to make and I was president, you 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 don't it's uh, there's no line item veto you either let everybody out of jail or they all have to stay and I don't even know who this crawl is
1: you're talking about. Yeah, you would look at the video and think to yourself, "Yeah, that guy should it. go to prison." Yeah, okay, yeah. but
2: uh, and and I have no problem, and I will look at that. But if I had only, if I had no line item, I couldn't take an individual. It's all or nothing. I'd let them all out of jail free because of what you're talking about. Look at instantly, we had to believe that a police officer was killed, and then we saw more video, and that very police officer on that very day, at the end of the day before he goes home, is standing around directing traffic calmly mm-hmm. alive and well and not dead and yeah probably went home and had that was one heck of a day and he didn't wake up but listen the, the the fact that this the gaslighting was turned up to 11 instantly by a federal government who absolutely has agents in it who are trying to perpetuate a coup over and over and over again i'm tell, i'm speaking just for me but if i had to make that decision Everybody would get out of jail free because this government—that's tyrannical—and that we we have
1: no well, hope. What you're suggesting, by the way, is actually at the root of our legal process. I mean, we give innocent until teleport- Yeah, we we give you know accused people an extraordinary amount of latitude. Going back to the founding of the country, because essentially, individual liberty says we would rather miss, you know five or ten guilty people than, you know, put one innocent person on a noose, okay? So what you're suggesting is actually not radical at all um, if you took it outside of the story and just looked at the history of of how we've typically done jurisprudence in this country.
2: Yeah, and in the specific case, it's beyond being theory-driven. When it comes down to those genuinely guilty on the protester side and genuinely guilty on the government side, I'm sitting with the protesters.
3: My overall, and I've repeated this on a, on a number of occasions, hypothesis, my overall hypothesis on what January 6th really was from a 10,000-foot view, it was the Spirit of the Ages attempt to really put the final period, to kind of um, put the uh, a period where there was a question mark on the end of 2020. It was their attempt to m- uh, regain the fake, phony, moral high ground after... Black Lives Matter had, matters have burned down cities across the United States. It was their attempt to see, ha, that side's really no better than us. It was their attempt to um, to, to put a final point on a dangling codicil of, of 2020. In the last two times we've had Steve Baker on and we've d- discussed, hey, they're actually the conventional wisdom within right-wing media that this was all just a Fed surrection. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'd started to doubt my hypothesis a little bit. But I'm actually starting to think after this conversation, that actually makes the case all the more. The fact that there were Krolls, was it Matthew Kroll out there, that were actually riling people up, that were attacking, that were doing things that in any polite society would get you thrown in prison for a long time. There were elements of that that were not maybe instigated, that they just wanted to go there And watch the world burn. Mm -hmm. But no, that wasn't good enough. The truth wasn't good enough for the either side.
1: Exactly. Your grandmother is. It has to be. We have to. We have to
3: put cancer riddled grandmas in prison as well. Yes. That actually makes my case all the more. Mm -hmm. This was never about anything resembling the truth on either side. It looks like increasingly. Maybe there were some police officers who really got on the wrong end of that crowd unjustly maybe there were some protesters who got into the capital and were sentenced unjustly but none of this was about the truth at the end of the
1: day little about our culture is about the truth at the end of the day yeah, period exactly All right, back here on the Steve Day Show, powered by our friends over at Birch Gold. You can diversify your savings with physical precious metals while stockpiling silver in your home safely. It's Birch Gold Group's most popular special of the year. Now through December the 22nd, for every $5,000 you spend with Birch Gold, they'll send you a one-ounce Silver Eagle coin for free. Text Steve to 989-898 to claim your eligibility now. That's text Steve to 989-898 to claim your eligibility now. You can purchase gold and silver and have it shipped directly to your home or have Birch Gold's precious metals specialists help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold. For no money out of your pocket. And they'll send you free silver for every $5,000 you purchase. So you can keep it for yourself or give something away of real value as a stocking stuffer this Christmas. Just text the the keyword Steve to 989-898 to claim your eligibility and the free info kit on gold. Make sure you do it, though, by December 22nd. With Birch Gold Group rated a plus with the Better Business Bureau. Text Steve to 989-898. Text Steve to 989-898. Well, this has been one of the biggest stories in the country here over the last couple of weeks. A satanic altar under the guise of religious freedom was allowed and permitted to be erected in the hallowed halls of the Iowa state legislature. The state that I have been telling this audience over the last few years has become redder than Texas, that Texas is no longer my relocation mistress after I watched the differences even between Texas and Iowa, let alone Iowa and the rest of the country during COVID, traveling the country during that period of time. Then we wake up one day and at Christmas time, because religious freedom, Here's a monument to Satan in the legislature. Much was discussed. Many articles written, many shows done, opinions given. Finally, one man decided to do something about it. His name is Michael Cassidy. And he showed up at the legislature last week and defiled this defiling altar. And now faces some charges as a result of that. And yet, the debate now is maybe even at more of a crescendo over this than it was when the altar stood unopposed. That man, Michael Cassidy, joins us now, as does his attorney, R. Davis Yance. It is good, to, for, Davis. It is good to see you again, brother. Thank you for being back here on our show. How are you?
7: I'm doing well. Always an honor. Thank you.
1: And then you see at the top of the screen there is Michael Cassidy himself. Michael, welcome to the Blaze. It's a pleasure to have you with us, brother. Thank you.
0: See, you. thanks for having me.
1: I'm going to spend the bulk of the time, Davis, with Michael, if you don't mind. But I don't want to start with you. Can you give us a rundown right now on the charges? And in the interest of full disclosure, I also donated uh, to Mr. Cassidy's Legal Defense Fund. So I I just want people to know that. So in case you think I have a bias here, well, I gave him some of my money. So that probably indicates that I do. All right. But uh, Davis, you you're overseeing his legal defense. What is he looking at right now for this act? Can you give us an, an idea of what you've been told so far?
7: Yes, he has received a citation for what is called fourth degree criminal mischief in Iowa. Um, so that is a misdemeanor offense related to destruction of private property. So that that is what he is facing right now. His first uh, court appearance in Iowa will, will be the 29th of December.
1: If convicted, what would he be looking at as a maximum penalty for something like this? So, if that
7: is the charge that gets filed, it would be a $2,500 fine and up to 12 months in jail.
1: How often does somebody go to jail for this? Never. Never.
7: Especially not someone, especially not someone without a criminal history. So, that would be unprecedented for uh, the, the DA's office to pursue jail time for something like this.
1: What are the chances that they may try to pursue that to make an example out of Michael in your view?
7: Um, I, I think, um, I think that would be a clearly unequal justice that wouldn't be due process at all. So I, I don't think that they'll do that So high.
1: In other words, based on what we've seen the last few years, high Uh,
7: (laughs) brother, I don't want to think that way. Um, I don't want to think that way at all, but you know, God, God is ultimately in control. And I, I believe Michael did the morally just thing in the spirit of the Boston tea party. So we'll see what happens.
1: Okay. So, Michael, let's bring you into the conversation. You and I have never met before. Tell us a little bit about yourself.
0: Uh, Well, thanks again for having me on. I'm, uh, my whole life pretty much, I've been in the Navy. Uh, I joined after 9-11, got inspired to join the military, uh, got lucky enough and went to flight school, became a pilot, flew F-18s, and then I got stationed in Mississippi about seven years ago and I stuck around once I got off active duty. Um, And yeah, I'm still in Mississippi, I'm still in the Navy Reserves and uh, that's how I got to where I am today.
1: How did you end up then in the hallowed halls, or at least the formerly hallowed halls of our state's legislature in front of um, the tradition, unlike any other, the satanic altar at Christmas time? How did you end up there?
0: Well, I had seen uh, the display, uh, I think last weekend, and it just, it didn't sit right with me. Uh, I thought that uh, it should not be there. Um, I felt, you know, compelled to uh, see it myself, uh, take a look at it myself. Um, and then when I got to the Capitol, um, it took me a couple minutes to kind of process everything, seen, uh, seen what I saw there. And, uh, my decision was based on it just, it, it's evil. Satan is evil. There shouldn't be satanic statues where children can see them in our state capitals.
1: Were you here visiting? Did you come from Mississippi specifically to witness this yourself?
0: Uh, I, you know, I travel around a whole lot uh, for my job. I was, you know, I was on my own time. I uh, hap- and I, I came to Iowa uh, on Wednesday and then Thursday I was in the Capitol.
1: Okay. What was going on? We're, we're, the legislature is out of session right now, so... I mean, were people coming to worship this? Were they acting like it wasn't there? Was it just kind of a a, a trite event? Because you would have been here shortly after they had tried to they had a christening of a of a main of a nativity scene there to kind of try to counter that statement. So what was it like when you walked in and saw that 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 altar?
0: Yeah, I was surprised. I thought there would be a lot of people around. I thought there would be, you know, security. Uh, there was one man, I think he was Catholic. He was praying, I think, the rosary. Um, and But he was the only person around. It was kind of uh, bizarre. So, um, yeah, he was the only guy around. After I did what I did, uh, I went back to the security um, entrance and turned myself in uh, and was pretty, you know, it was very professional, uh, very nonviolent. Um, it, But there, I did see the nativity scene on the other side of the stairs as the uh, that satanic altar.
1: Why did you do this?
0: The, I think that we can agree, or we should all be able to agree, that Satanist altars should not be... Uh, they should not be displayed. They should not be... Uh, part of the the government uh, accepting Satanism uh, that has uh, a terrible effect on the morals of our country. It's just bad.
1: You, <laughs> I am I'm struck by the simplicity of your answer <laughs> because there has been a lot of complicated language. the The language of uh, of Davis is. Uh, 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 chosen pursuit post military, uh, apparently uh, wearing the U.S. uniform around the world didn't make him feel hated enough that he did. Then decided to become a lawyer. All right, and just go ahead and and touch them all. And uh, but there's been a lot of discussion about codicils and conditions and and exceptions and legalities. And I just asked you, well, why did you do this? Uh, Satan's bad. <laughs> I mean, that's a pretty simple answer to something that is being very complicated in in the way it's being discussed right now around the country.
0: And I think I think so. I think there I've seen a lot of people saying a whole lot of words. But what it really comes down to is that Jesus is good. God is good. And Satan is evil. And we shouldn't be promoting Satan. It, It really it really is that simple
1: one of the arguments i've heard is well you know what about if there were other religious altars and number one there is nothing about satanism that even purports to inspire humanity to do better than itself so that and number two if 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 you can put up any religious altar, then I mean, would we would we put an altar up to to Moloch in the Iowa Legislature, and and we would uh, you know we could have an imaginary fire and a uh, and, uh, and, the, and the and the and the and and you know we could put a doll in there and make it look like it's roasting in Moloch's uh, palms, like like they did in the Valley of Ben Hinnom. I mean, that would be a religious. That's a religion, right, Davis? We we I mean, we should. I mean you, at Christmas you've got Jesus the baby Jesus in a manger over here and down the hall we've got a you know we've got a doll roasting in the hands of uh, of of the of the bull god uh Molech you know over there I mean we're just all in big happy pluralistic multi religious uh culture correct
7: Well, I I don't think it's that simple, but I think it's even simpler in in many respects. The answer is there's still a question of good versus evil, right? We were founded by predominantly Christians, and there is a question of good versus evil. There's things we should not tolerate in a free, polite, and good society. We wouldn't celebrate the erection of a Ku Klux Klan monument in any Capitol building, and we should all have the desire to tear that down so what michael did in this case to me is just a question of of good versus evil this isn't even trying to make homage to to a real religion or anything that is beneficial so i do think that we can be champions of of the first amendment and religious freedoms as we always have been in our nation and still recognize good versus evil
1: michael i've seen you um respectfully but i've seen you attempt to respond to some of your critics on social media Have you seen any arguments at all that have made you reconsider your position or at the very least you think even if they didn't had any form of merit at all about accommodating this sort of uh, of expression in the in, in in a understand you didn't go to somebody's private property. All right. This is a government building. This is a government of the United States. We, we, we're saying, you know, we, we believe in recognizing Satan. Has anybody said anything to you that disagrees with what you did that made you think, hey, that's a valid point?
0: Well, I've got another simple answer for you. No. <laughs> um, it. I, I have not seen anything that has made me think that honoring the devil, the father of all evil, is a, a good thing, or that a satanic altar has the same Uh, value uh, in the eyes of the state as a nativity scene.
1: Then what is it you think your detractors maybe don't understand about why you did what you did that you would want them to reconsider?
0: That there is a difference between good and evil and that we in, I think in our modern society, we are afraid to stand up for the truth that is the gospel and that we we're afraid of the you know what the world is going to say we're afraid of what uh whether we're on the right side of history and the truth of the gospel is you know it's unchanging it's everlasting and it's not something that should be subject to um this misguided belief again that satanism is something that should be promoted by a uh, a just society
1: when you turned yourself in, what was their reaction?
0: Uh, surprise. <laughs> they surprised uh, that you
1: did it, or you turned yeah, yourself in.
0: I don't know. Okay. Uh, I think okay. that they they were surprised. They um, they're polite. They're professional. Uh, they called the, uh, the state troopers to come on over, and then and we talked. Um, I explained what I did. Uh, And then they talked to some higher ups to figure out what to do. And then, uh, long story short, I got a citation, and they sent me on my way.
1: Did anybody just say, "Hey, off the record, man"? Anybody at all, or they just were they totally professional the entire time?
0: They were professional, uh, very professional.
1: So, what's next now? What are you hoping this event? Galvanizes. What do you want to come out of this?
0: Well, I hope that uh, people that are Christians can reinvigorate their faith. I hope that Christians can then also spread the gospel. I hope that people that are not Christians can, you know, in this moment, we're talking about Christianity, talking about uh, and the devil and have non-Christians talk to their Christian friends, go to church and then learn about Jesus. That's. That's what I want to come out of this.
1: I'm, I'm, I am absolutely struck, guys. This, he's, this is a test pilot. It's a very smart dude. Okay, I am struck by the simplicity of his answers. It, the, I mean, it just the, the the simplicity of it. I'm just struck by given all the technicalities that are being currently debated around your actions. Michael, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, Davis, how is the legal defense fund? Is, he, is, is that covered now, or does he still need help on that front?
7: So right now, um, the donations have been incredible. They've been—it's uh, been wonderful. The guys at the Republic Sentinel. Um, have uh, you know hosted the give, the give, Send, Go and promoted it. So that's been fantastic. The issue is right now um, he is a Navy reservist, so there is other investigations that come, not just simply the Iowa case. So there will need to be resources for those, but as well just to be transparent with anyone who asks, anything that's left over, it will be Michael's decision, um, but he will be donating that to a nonprofit that focuses on efforts for religious freedom situations for christians like his so at the end of the day michael will ensure this goes to a good cause and there's other people around him that are going to hold him accountable to that as well as his own pastor (laughs) and his church
1: good all right we've got less than a minute here where can people go if they want to donate then
7: um it's uh the republic sentinel has a give send go account that's up michael what do you know the 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 address for it or
0: I'll be honest. I, I don't know. I know it's it's pinned on uh, on my X account, which is Mike Cassidy MS.
5: Yeah,
7: Mike Cassidy underscore MS is his his yeah. X account. Um, if you follow me on Twitter as well, there's a link there. I've Sorry. got it. So give give is,
1: yeah. dot com slash Michael Dash Cassidy, and that'll take you to it there. All right. So yeah, this has raised almost seventy five thousand dollars already. That's Amen. incredible. Michael, thank you very much yes, for man. joining us. Davis as well. Merry Christmas to both of you. We appreciate the conversation. Thank you. God bless you.
7: And Merry Christmas. Guys.
1: Thank you. All right. I I think I know I had a different plan for the overtime, but I think we would be remiss yeah. if we did not do the overtime and get reaction to the conversation again. we just had. Fair? Yeah. All right. So if you're a Blaze TV subscriber, we're going to stick around a little bit longer and give our own reactions to that conversation. Again, I am just I am just struck by the simplicity of it. Well, it was bad. Satan's evil. I am, I'm, I'm just, I'm struck by the simplicity of it. Uh, so we will discuss that and more in the overtime at blazetv.com slash Dace. For the rest of you, we will see you tomorrow right here after Glenn Beck. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace.
5: On the Blaze Radio Network.